episode 34 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey, this is Chad Allen, creator of Book Proposal Academy, and I highly recommend the Energy Edge podcast so you can gain the energy you need to do your best work. So, you know, they talk about you are what you eat, and I've literally been able to look inside my own body and see that it's true, that like what you eat can make a major difference. Welcome to the Energy Edge Podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your energy edge is a must. The Energy Edge Podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. Welcome to the Energy Edge Podcast sponsored by 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com where you'll find three five-minute videos that are going to help you become more productive, to begin to feel more energized, and to ultimately do your best work. If you've not checked out this video series, I highly encourage you to do it today. Go to 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today and download your free video series. Well, I'm Brian Paul Buckley, and I love the even-numbered episodes because we get to dive into a subject matter expert story, somebody who's struggling with their energy, and learn from them. And today, I'll be interviewing a former journalist, now a communications director, and her name is Emily Neal. She's had quite the health journey, and her story, ironically, is still very much in process. I'm going to ask Emily, some of the following questions. What happens to a driven woman when their potty absolutely shuts down? What is celiac disease and how has it impacted you and your family? What did you struggle with the most in your massive health lifestyle change that you had to make? And what are the changes you've had to do to regain your energy and so much more? It's go time. Emily Neal is a communications director at the Sanctuary Church in Romanville, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. She loves combining words, images, and video to communicate in a variety of ways, including print, social media, and blogging. She has a passion for productivity, organization, and creativity. She loves learning, and in the last year, she has added an obsession with healthy eating and lifestyle choices to her list of favorite topics. Emily is also a mom of four children and a wife to a wonderful husband. She blogs about parenting, creative projects, her obsession with self-improvement, and her health journey at everydaymomlife.com. And what's unique about this interview is that we're actually doing this live face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball. So if you hear giggles in the background, you know why, because we can see a visual of the suspect. And this is the first time ever that I've had a chance to do this. And what's also cool is that I've actually known Emily and her family for actually five years now, believe it or not, and been able to see her journey, just not only just in the church world and her work, but some health issues that's uh, kind of gone on in her life. So uh, first of all, Emily, thrilled you're here. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I love listening to your show and I'm super excited to be a guest. So thank you so much for asking me to do this. I'm really Absolutely. excited. Well, you know, what's cool is when I first asked you to listen to the podcast, just initially, just because of your background, which you're going to dig into, yeah. I knew you could actually add just some really, really good value, practical tips, suggestions. And I loved all of that. And I think what's really, really cool and means a lot to me is that actually you kind of became a fan of the show. Yeah. And usually if all of a sudden an episode is just a little bit late, like when I was having my gallbladder issues, uh, 
uh, hey, and you're you know texting me, what's going on? Where's the episode? This was a little bit late here. Come a few on, hours Brian. Late. I, I got to get on the treadmill, and I, I need my know. my podcast. Got to get our energy edge on. So I absolutely love that. So um, given all of that, though, I think what's amazing is you have been on this journey where you were heading straight, and then all of a sudden health took a sharp left. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of the health issues, talk to us about just kind of your your professional background to, to right. got you to where you're at right now working for a church. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, I mean, one of the reasons I really enjoy listening to your show is that I've always been someone who, like, loves productivity. I'm kind of like a productivity geek. I study it. Even at a really young age, I love, like, goal setting and working toward goals and just— um, I'm super self-motivated. So all the topics that you cover, I really do actually a lot of times pick up tips and implement those in my life. So it's really a topic that I love. But um, just professionally, um, back in my 20s, when I first got out of college, I studied journalism in college and um, got my master's degree in political reporting. And I actually was a reporter for about 10 years. And um, I worked in the state capitol building. I covered politics and state government. So that was, and this is back in the day when we had those actual print newspapers yeah, uh-huh. and a printing press and threw those on your driveway. So really um, fast-paced, um, high-stress environment, um, just uh, – uh, the competition, I guess, is pretty tough in that environment, especially in the state capitol. So um, working long hours. Then in my 30s, um, that's when I started. We started a family, my husband and I, and I had four kids. And I also did what a lot of women do, and I kind of got in the direct sales um, business and actually had a super successful business there. I was um, recognized as having one of the fastest growing businesses in the country for my company and just loved the goal setting that was involved there. And then in my 40s, I had the opportunity to um, take a combination of those skills and work for our church as a communications director. And it's a job I absolutely love. I get to do so many things that I love. But um, the hard part about it is that my work life and my personal life are very intertwined. So there's not really much of an off switch there. When I'm at the park with moms from church, a lot of times people still see me kind of as my role as as a communications director. And that can just add like an extra dimension of of stress and pressure that maybe you don't get in a regular job, I guess. Sure, because you almost feel like you always have to be on. Yeah. You know, we talk about downtime is time to be, not to right. just be on. And that's hard, you know, especially if somebody's unfamiliar with the nonprofit world or church world, you know, that is the situation, you know, you're, you got to do your day job, but then also two people obviously need things in the in nights and weekends and you got to be available. Yeah, and you're responding to people who have their own personal issues Issues and you're responding to them of course. Uh, around the clock. So. Yeah, of course. So the last year-ish, things have dramatically changed for you. And our relationship uniquely, obviously, with the productivity and deadlines and go, go, go is right. always something that if we have always clicked on. But our connection changed because of health, because I was going through health issues and you were starting your journey and I was in the middle of mine. Yeah. Why don't you unpack that a little bit about how it started and uh, where where it's come to? Yeah. You know, I really, now that I look back at it, I think it started 
probably about seven years ago when um, I had my my fourth child, and um, I started noticing changes in my health. One of the big ones is that I would have a recurring bouts of vertigo. Sometimes that would last for a month where I was dizzy, couldn't drive due to vertigo. Um, just... Uh, you know, fatigue, a lack of energy where I had no problem hop on my bike and go ride my bike for 20 miles, walk three miles a day, things like that. And and now it was, you know, my joints were hurting and it was a struggle to kind of do the same activity that I had done before. And so I, I you know, I, I'm in my 40s. I, I have a busy life. I have four kids. You know, this is just what happens sure. is kind of what I thought. But about a year ago, last um, May of 2016, I literally just collapsed and it was almost overnight um, where uh, my digestive system just went crazy and not to be TMI here, but basically diarrhea all the time so that I I just wasn't getting um, nutrition. I got to the point of just complete exhaustion where just even like the thought of like walking around the block was too much. Um, Just uh, the feeling of, of lethargy where I just... Would You know, I'm a morning person. I love the morning. I love to get up and see the sunrise. And I'll get up early just to go take a picture of the sunrise and just waking up and being like, man, I just I don't even want to get up today. It's so not like me. And um, so all that hit, it took about a month um, for me to actually you know, get to the doctors that I needed to get to. So actually, you know, I, I've heard of people who wait 10 years to find out what's going on, but it only took me about a month. And um, I found an awesome doctor who just tested me for everything. And um, what we found out is that I actually had celiac disease as well as um, celiac disease is an autoimmune disease. And I have a second autoimmune disease as well called collagenous colitis. So one of those affects my small intestine. The other one affects my large intestine. But Overall, if I kind of sum it up, they were both really impeding my ability to absorb nutrition, which then was causing all kinds of problems when you're, you know, you're super anemic, you don't have energy, you know, you're not getting the nutrition that you need. That just leads to a lot of a lot of health problems. Okay, so let's talk about nutrition yeah. as the artist formerly known as Emily Neal, eating-wise. Yeah. Your kids actually had a nickname for you, which just cracked me up, and it was yeah. what? Yeah, so my kids have always called me Sweet Mama. Okay, and it wasn't and as, I mean, obviously you're sweet, but they, there was a they different They do love reason. me, but I was known for, um, my love language was making them chocolate chip cookies and uh, this amazing Hershey's cake, chocolate cake that I make. And, you know, they might come home from school and I would surprise them with like a buffet of like five different kinds of ice cream with all the toppings. So that was the way I showed love to them. And um, I loved doing that for them. So, you know, back in that time, I, you know, I always cooked meals for my family. We, you know, family of six, we primarily do eat at home. And I did try really hard to meal plan, to batch cook. But looking back at it now, I realized that so much of what I was cooking was based on pasta and it was based on rice. And I would try to throw in some veggies, you know, mostly for my kids. But if we ran out, I would give them the veggies instead of me eating them. And um, so my idea, you know, my idea of healthy would be like a bowl of oatmeal with, you know, milk on it. 
And um, we'll talk about this later, but now those are things that I don't touch. <laughs> sure, sure. And yeah. for you, that was your staple, like we talked about. Getting one serving, let alone five yeah. servings of fruit and vegetables was like, huh? Yeah. I remember one day I was I was actually sitting in the salon and there was a nutritionist there for some reason talking to someone about getting five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I don't know if I even eat one serving of fruits and vegetables a day. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's that's my routine. Well, and I think it's really good perspective because this is this was your background. I mean, you cooked at home, but as far as anything eating healthy, right. it was a different definition of healthy for you. And then all of a sudden you find out from your doctor that you're actually malnourished. Right. And your body's going through all these changes. So what were some of the things that you started to have to change once you found out that you had these autoimmune diseases? Yeah. So obviously celiac disease means you're highly reactive to gluten. And so what happens when gluten gets in my body is my immune system literally starts attacking my body. And by the time I was diagnosed, my doctors said my celiac disease was over the top, like off the chart. So not only am I incredibly sensitive to gluten, but I'd also had it for a while. So within your small intestine, you have these villi that are responsible for absorbing the nutrition from your food. Mine were basically non-existent. They were completely flat and not even there. And so food was just zooming through my body. And literally, yeah, I, I just started seeing a new doctor and she was looking at my chart saying, wow, I'm amazed at how how bad your malabsorption was, like you were not getting nutrition. So the when I first was diagnosed, I knew I immediately from day one just stopped eating gluten, cold turkey, no, not even thinking about it. And um, basically, I just f- focused on gluten for about six months. And um, I joke that I went on the gluten-free junk food diet. <laughs> nice. Because for all of the um, bread and pasta and um, cookies that I couldn't have, I would make up for that by eating chocolate and a a slushy from 7-Eleven and gluten-free ice cream, you know, any kind of junk food because, you know, I was sad for myself. Of course. And I way overcompensated. So that was kind of the beginning of my journey. Um, Do you think that was part of kind of mourning that, hey, man, things are really going to have to change and I've gone from sweet mama to skinny mama who's having to figure this whole thing out and I still have to feed my family. And it's not like they stop eating those foods. So that had to be a really, really rough transition when you realize that this isn't just a a flu or a cold here that in a few days, few weeks, the muscle's going to heal, whatever, and you're back to, you know, back to the way things used to be. This thing is not going away. Exactly. And, um, If anyone else is going through something like this, you know, I think it's important to know that it is okay to actually mourn. It's okay to actually stand in the grocery store and cry. But I had a mental list that was going of things even like, um, you know, the breaded Chick-fil-A strips, you know, like things that maybe you wouldn't even immediately come to mind as like you're gluten free. But I still am like, oh, never. When I get to heaven, they better have a donut ready for me, a <laughs> nice. funnel cake. You know, some of those things that I will never eat again. Yeah. I definitely went through a period of mourning. Well, and for you, too, just as me, we have to learn things the hard way sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes we have to have a 
adverse reaction to it to remind yeah. us you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Even though we think we're tougher than that or yeah. our bodies have healed to that point. And when it kicks back, it just lets us know you can't continue to do that. So real quick, if somebody is listening to this and they're thinking, man, maybe there's a chance that I've got this autoimmune, yeah. autoimmune disease right. or something like that. Yeah. What are some other symptoms that really started getting you to the tipping point where like, I've got to go to the doctor, obviously besides everything going yeah. through you, literally. Yeah. And the amazing thing is there's a lot of experts are saying now that autoimmune disease is really the largest epidemic facing our nation. I've read so, that over and over. Yeah. And there's, there's more than 100 conditions that are known as autoimmune disease. And I didn't know they were all related. I didn't know that type 1 diabetes diabetes was considered an autoimmune disease or rheumatoid rheumatoid arthritis or MS or, you know, Crohn's disease, that they're all kind of related. And what they have in common is that your immune system, one in nine women, by the way, are believed to have an autoimmune disease. And a lot of people don't even know. But in all these conditions, your immune system is basically attacking your own body. And what's different about them all is which part of your body is being attacked. But once once your system is kind of compromised, you can have far-reaching symptoms. My, um, my doctor has told me sometimes people come in with celiac disease and all they're experiencing is a migraine. Interesting. You know, um, joint pain, joint inflammation, and swelling. I've gone through times, Brian, when my joints have been so inflamed I couldn't walk. I couldn't use my arm. I had to wrap up my wrist just to type. You know, I thought, oh, that's just um, carpal tunnel syndrome. Sure. Something else. Anything else. Yes. Um, I had a weird like rash that when I would get stressed, I would have this rash. Chronic hives. These are all things people, eczema that people are experiencing that, you know, your dermatologist is going to say, yeah, you've got eczema, put this cream on. All these things are coming from within and could be, you know, they're all symptoms of autoimmune disease. Exactly. Just part of a you have bigger, one. bigger it's issue part of a bigger picture. going on. So as you started to your first few months of changing this lifestyle, yeah. how did that go? Obviously, you did the morning. Yeah. And uh, M-O-U-R-N, you know, yes. and moving into that change. So how did you start to take control of this? And yeah. give us a little bit more of that journey once you are like, okay, this is the deal. I got to keep going with this. Yeah. So at the beginning of this year, um, at this point, I, I knew I had celiac disease, but I didn't even know that that was considered an autoimmune disease, believe it or not. Um And I was really wrestling with just ongoing symptoms that um, sometimes, you know, I – out of every month, I would have a couple of weeks that I would be pretty sick. So some of that was from getting just like the t- most trace amount of gluten, even though I was eating eating gluten-free. But if I would go to a restaurant, get something completely gluten-free, I would often be sick. So I was having these flares consistently. And, and I remember conversations just like – Stink. Now I can't even go to a restaurant anymore. Yeah. Not only just I can't order certain foods that is really, really starting to restrict you and how difficult that was. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think one thing that's been really eye-opening for my whole family and that we've gone through as a journey together is the realization of how much food is an integral part of our celebrations, of um, family gatherings, of parties, of just how we express our love to each other. And, well, and especially— Especially in the church world. 
true. You know, true. it's there's there's got to be snacks. It's yeah. a social type of thing. Potlucks, mm-hmm. all of that type of thing. Yeah, we were just at a family funeral and people were bringing in tons and tons of food for the family. There wasn't anything there I could eat because you know it all had most of it had gluten, but even if it didn't, I didn't know how it was prepared. Sure, didn't want to take a chance. Yeah, and um, so our family has really had to actually come up with new ways to you know uh, my birthday. My husband said. I don't know how to do this anymore. How do we celebrate when I can't take you out to dinner and I can't make you a cake? And we've had to really um, reframe that for ourselves. And that's been that's been a whole other journey. But um, anyway, the uh, the question you asked me before and what I've done, you know, at the beginning of this year, just I'm just to the point like. I just want to feel good. I want to be able to keep up with my family. And um, I started really researching um, celiac disease. And I um, I found out about the paleo diet. And from there, I found about the, the um, what's called the paleo autoimmune protocol. And I started really reading about that and finding out that this is a diet that eliminates just a ton of food groups, but a lot of people with autoimmune disease have um, experienced radical transformation in well, their health. Because the things they remove is grains and dairy, soy, legumes, uh, well, any processed foods, sugars, yeah. including alcohol. Yep. So it gets uh, it gets slim on yeah, your choices, but even, also slim on the on obviously potential weight loss as well. So somebody does like the whole thirty, they see some really really yeah. good results. But Basically, it's, it's anything that's considered an inflammatory food. So that even includes chocolate and coffee and nightshades, which are like potatoes, tomatoes, yeah. peppers. So you take that out, man, there goes your salsa, there goes your tacos, sure. you know, you can't have chili powder. So it really... And it, so many things that you wouldn't think have sh- so much sure in them. True. That you would just think, I, enjoy, I remember when I was on it, just trying to find, Emily, a bottle of of tomato sauce just yeah. initially when I didn't go to the autoimmune side of it, but just, just trying to find something without sugar. It was like eight bucks at Whole Foods just to find something like that. So, you yeah. know, just amazing how much has sugar in it. So anyway, you're going through this and your family's yeah. going through this as well. What happens next? Yeah. So the, it even took me um, a little while, even in the midst of that. I mean, the amount of determination and self-control you have to um, use on a daily basis is is kind of exhausting <laughs> to do to be on a diet like this, and I'm still on it. I've been on it for seven months now, but a couple months in, I um, went back and uh, saw my GI doctor again, and he redid my celiac panels, and my antibodies were still super high. Mm. And he's like, "Wow, you know, you are not responding to a gluten free diet." And on the emotional side, that had to be discouraging, <sighs> man. To you work were that hard. At it. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I remember talking to you going, hey, i got to go out of the town for the weekend for my, you know, for one of my kids' baseball games or tournaments. Yeah. And you had to spend half a day just preparing and all of this Tupperware, just your own meals yeah. for the entire weekend. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, absolutely. I always have to be prepared if I'm going to be away from the house for a meal at all. But especially, you know, over a couple of days, I have to have my own food. I just, I can't handle. There's, there's not a, worth the price. Yeah, there's, not worth it. Yeah. So the doctor tells you you're not responding. Yeah. Then what? So, um. So actually, I think what was going on is that um, it was just taking a little longer. So after a few more months, um, I did start to I did start to feel better, and thank thank goodness because I needed a break. And um, now um, 
you know, after about six months, I've had all my blood work redone. The, one of the big blessings about my doctor being really, really concerned about that is he ordered a follow-up endo- endoscopy to take a look at my small intestine, which is what's affected. And now at this point, I've been on this diet for about five months, and he was actually able to see that my small intestine has healed in wow. a pretty radical way. Um, he sent me to a specialist, a celiac specialist in Chicago, and she said, wow, the amount of healing you have experienced, we usually don't see for two years in people with celiac disease. That's amazing. So, you know, they talk about you are what you eat. And I've literally been able to look inside my own body and see that it's true, that like what you eat can make a major difference in in your health. And um you know, my health has my I, I, I've been to a lot of about four doctors this year. My functional medicine doctor actually said, wow, Emily, you are beating celiac disease. Yeah. You know, it's never going to go away. I'm, I can never eat gluten and I'm always going to have that gene and that condition. Sure. It's remission ish. It is. It's in remission. When those antibodies are gone out of my system, then my body's not attacking myself anymore. We'll be right back with the remainder of the interview with Emily Neal after the short break. Most of us are just plain tired. Our pace far outruns our energy, yet we just keep going. We quickly move from busy to beat down to burnout. And sometimes we pull this off by the end of the same day. And it's only Monday. What we need is a reminder there's another way. A kickstart to get us thinking and get us going in the right direction. 5-Minute EnergyKickstart.com offers three 5-minute videos on the topics of sleep, nutrition, and fitness movement where a problem is discussed and two Energy Kickstart challenges are offered. Why? Because we all need a kickstart from time to time. The best part about it is the only thing it'll cost you is a few minutes of your time because the video series is absolutely free. So check out 5-Minute EnergyKickstart.com today. So yeah. one of the things that, that we click on right. is just being that, that motivated professional, that business professional, business professional who just goes at it. We put our mind to that, that direction, we're going to go after yeah. it. And all of a sudden, that changes, we're going to go after that. And both of us had to do something very unique is all of our drive we had to put right. into getting healthy. For me, it was with my whole adrenal crash and all yeah. of that. And then obviously with the gallbladder situation and all these changes. And you had to do the same thing. So I think a lot of the credit of your healing is that you went at it. So you decided in your mind... You know, this is the way life's going to be. I'm done complaining about it. I'm done mourning about it. I've got game on and I've got to attack and go at it. So for somebody who is in the process of fighting this a little bit now, now the fighting, it may be just simply just not eating healthy. And we know it. You know, they know the definition of healthy, especially if they've been listening to this show at all. But or they're starting to have some physical health problems that they need to get worked out. What advice would you give them to start to make that change? Right. So. No matter what your situation, even if you're in good health, um, (laughs) you're not going to go wrong by eating good food, eating real food. But um, I really feel like there's there are three things that have helped me just tremendously. Um, The food I eat, eating real food. And, you know, Brian, people always talk about reading labels. I don't really have to read labels because 
there's very few things I eat that have that come in a package because I'm literally just eating meat and produce. And well, I'm the, starting the labels sold separately. There's literally. no label. I'm starting to expand yeah. that a little bit now, adding in some eggs and nuts, but still things that really are yeah. very natural to the essence of whole food. And actually, Megan Blacksmith in an episode that we had with her, I think it was episode eight, uh-huh. defined a whole food as something that grows on a plant. Eats right. a plant, but never manufactured in a plant. Yeah. And it doesn't have a label or it just has few ingredients that you could actually read. And obviously that has become literally the way that you eat now. So back to right. suggestion to people who are on this journey. Right. And, you know, the first thing even before all of that is you just have to take control of your own health. And the amazing thing about the culture that we live in today is there's just so much information that's available to us. Ten years ago, people weren't talking about something like the autoimmune protocol diet. We didn't even know about these things. And there's so much information now that's available to us. When you go see your, you know, for example, your GI doctor, he's just going to look at your um, your digestive system. He's not going to going to really, not that he doesn't care, but really take into consideration that much your headaches and your joint pain. And so he's not going to really tell you that this could all be related. But there's just so much information, whether it's, you know, my my podcast playlist is full of no doubt. of podcasts related to autoimmune disease and and um, health. So there's so much information that you can you can obtain and you can just educate yourself. But then the, those three components I was talking about is first food, sleep and stress. I have found that um my stress management and my sleep are just as important as what I eat. And if I can keep at least two out of the three pretty much in check, that's going to help me just have a better day. Um, so how have you found – I mean, obviously, we talk a lot about sleep on this on this podcast yeah. as well. Yeah. How have you found your body healing as a result of the sleep? And when you don't get the sleep that you need, how do you feel literally – as a result of a little less sleep. Right. I don't do well. Sleep is sleep is big for me. It always has been. And um, so I find that especially if I'm under a lot of stress, I have to really up my sleep. And I'll get to even like 930 at night and I'm like, I've got to go to sleep. Like my, I just can't handle yeah. anymore. And so just being aware of that and like giving myself the freedom that that's okay. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Um, Early on in this journey, I could literally sleep 10 to 12 hours a night and still want to take one or two naps the next day. And that was my body just crying out. So I guess I kind of learned to listen to that. Um, But so if my stress level's high, I need to sleep more. My quality of sleep is super important. I, um, you know, actually about a year ago, I stopped watching TV. And that's pretty radical, too. But I was a major Netflix binger. And you watch a couple, two, three, four episodes of a show right before bed, you're not going to get quality sleep. And um, I know um, some of this may sound like a little over the top, but I just feel like it's more important for me to get really, really good sleep than to watch a show. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, and especially considering... Where your life is and your health yeah. is, but then even just the benefits you're seeing with not having to watch as much. It's amazing. My wife and I, especially this last month, we've been flying through books, right. reading before bed and just taking that time to talk a little bit more and the difference that it makes. Then it has really nothing to do with health. But the benefits of that, not to mention getting better quality sleep. Yeah, I felt like my brain literally came to life when I stopped watching TV. Imagine that. And I could absorb so much more information from books and audiobooks and podcasts that 
I I couldn't believe the difference even in my brain. <laughs> so the three things again, obviously nutrition because your whole yeah. digestive system is celiac disease. Number two is stress management. Yeah. And the third was sleep. Yeah. Back to stress management. Yeah. Any suggestions or tips that you started to do? Because obviously you're you're one of us, Emily. I mean, you are yeah. that hard driver, that business professional who's going at it, who wants that energy edge. But how did you pull back on stress yeah. given your even current job? Yeah. Um, if I haven't said enough things that are a little over the top yet, I will say that <laughs> Um, wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. In June, I actually took an entire month off of work. And that was a gift that was given to me by my boss. He knew I had just had a really hard year and I was just burnt out and run down and just needed to get away and not have that stress. And I realize that's not something that everyone can do, but maybe maybe there is something that you could do. But stepping away was so energizing for me. I came back with like a renewed energy and just excitement about what I do. So um, that's one that, you know, probably not a lot of people could do, but maybe. But um, other things are just, I know that whatever I say yes to, that I'm giving up something else. So, and a lot of times, you know, if if someone asks me to do some freelance work for them or something like that, then I know that's time I'm not going to be with my family. It's going to make me feel stressed. It's going to make me edgy. So um, my default is actually kind of no. Instead of before, my default was always, yeah, yeah, I can do that for you. Yeah, I can do that. I can take that on. I can do one more thing. I can handle this. Oh, I've you, got this. And you enjoy deadlines. You enjoy I the do. rush of all of that. So I that's enjoy, a big change, Emily. It is. And I... Anything, you know, I enjoy the things that I do. And um, so it's it's been an adjustment, but um, it's been super healthy for me to just, you know, understand that I can't do it all. And I want to go back to just a little bit of the stress management for you mentioning, obviously, to take that extended time. Yeah. You know, we talk about a break is move the body, rest the mind. Then we talk about downtime, which is minutes, usually seconds or minutes. Then we talk about downtime, yeah. which think, you know, hours and, and, they're, and short on nights and longer on the weekends. And then... Obviously, moving into more of like Sabbath, where you are literally taking a major, major yeah. break off, which was a sabbatical is what I was looking yeah. for, which has been so good for you and in the renewal of that, but even the boundaries to be able to say no to that. So I just, I absolutely commend you on that. Any closing comments or thoughts to somebody who's listening to this and going, man, this, I'm hearing me in this story right. somewhere. Yeah, you know, I had a lot of things that were kind of taken from me, um, just not being able to eat kind of what standard American diet, the foods other people are eating um, has been a huge one. But, you know, not having the energy that I had before, um, just a lot of things that were taken from me. But um, when I when I, what I've done over the last year, I would have said there is no way that I can change my life in that way, that I could give up gluten, that I could give up sugar, that I could give up coffee, you know, um, that I could give up chocolate. <laughs> um, and I would have said no. If somebody said this is what's going to happen to you, no way. I can't do that. There's no way. So I guess, you know, having gone through this and finding out that um, I was put in a place where I had to choose, you know, do you want to feel good 
Or do you want to have those things that you're holding on to so tightly because they make you feel good in the moment? And, um, you know, that choice was made for me. But if you're in a situation where you, you know, you have the option and you can choose, I just feel like if I can do it, sweet mama. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you should see my plate now. It is 75 percent, you know, Brussels sprouts and asparagus and and. It's just all veggies and and protein, and um, it makes me feel so good after I eat. Um, I'm just if I can do it, I feel like anyone can do it, really. And that's a great word, Emily. And I think what's so unique about this interview is this is still the journey. This is unscripted. This is still tweaking, changing, adapting. And I love just having that rawness of a story. So I look forward to updates. I look forward to another podcast episode of where we are a year later in this and uh, obviously what you've learned. So first of all, I'm proud of you. Thanks, Brian. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so many conversations we've had on this journey together uniquely that we both can empathize at a deep level. Yeah, it's been a blessing, honestly, you know, that we have been able to relate on that level because there's... So often you don't even want see people say, how are you doing? And there's no way they could understand the answer. Yeah. But you and I get that have had that. look. Yeah. My dad used to say, <laughs> we get it. my dad used to say when somebody goes, you know, how are you doing? My dad would often say, just joking around, how much time do you have? <laughs> and just, right? you know, freak them out with there. But no, right. honestly. So it's been a blessing. Oh, it really yeah. has. It really has. As somebody who gets it and understands it. And then even just a follow-up text a day or two later, just checking right. in with her. That's always meant a lot. So thank you for your time. Blessings on your journey. And I look forward to more of these type of conversations with you in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Here's a next episode preview. We're going to discuss a very unusual question, but one that sets apart the average from the high achiever. And the question is this, how do you use the first hour of your day and does it give you energy for the day ahead? Did you catch that? How do you use the first hour of your day and does it give you energy for the day ahead? This episode is called Eight Practices to Creating an Energy Hour Before Your First Minute of Work. It's one of those challenging episodes that will cause you to reflect and hopefully take action. Well, as always, we want to thank you for making it to this point in the podcast. I hope you're encouraged today by Emily's story. I want to courage for her to open up, and I'm grateful for it. As always, we'll try and do better next time. Go and get your energy edge on today. Today.